Now, a question I get asked quite often is, how or when did I start fighting? In today's episode, we're going to take a stroll down memory lane, and let me tell you, it's a little bit of a long one, so buckle up and let's go for it. Hi, I'm Cola Shippentower, and this is the Enough is Enough podcast, the show where we talk about everything and anything, from politics to relationships, from fitness to sex, and everything in between. We talk with individuals who have said enough is enough and are ready to speak what's on their hearts. So my story with MMA starts back when I was about 19 years old. I was in a very abusive relationship. It was very toxic. I had struggled horribly with my alcoholism at the time and the boy that I was with let's call him George for the sake of the story George was very very abusive emotionally physically mentally you name it it was a very dark relationship it was not good I was already struggling with a low self-esteem I lacked confidence And it just was scary now that I think back on it. Now, while George and I were together, he had been living in a different state and had moved to Pendleton to be with me. And he had discovered an MMA gym that was on the edge of town. Now, he had always talked about how he already had previous MMA experience and how he was going to eventually go into that gym and probably start training. And I don't know if it was him trying to be impressive or what it was, but I was really young and I thought it was cool. But on went this horrible relationship. Now, I ended up breaking up with him and he ended up leaving town. Imagine that. He left. But I was still pretty hurt. Um, It really ate away at who I was at such a young age, 19. I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so kind of fast forward a little bit, still struggling with my alcoholism, trying to figure out a way to get sober. I was about 20 years old. I ended up getting pregnant and I had my oldest son and... I ended up drinking after delivering my oldest son, Abraham. Again, I was finding myself in a really dark space. I didn't feel like I was a very good mom. I was very much prioritizing my drinking and partying. And it took a very serious conversation that I had with my dad. And something that he said in this conversation really stuck out to me, and it's ingrained in my memory forever. Now, my Indian name is Tamahaya, and my dad calls me this all the time, even to this day. He calls me by my Indian name. He said, Tamahaya, you're not going to get the apology you deserve, but you're going to need to forgive him. Move forward. You can't continue holding on to this feeling it's gonna make you ugly now telling a 20 year old that 
it took a little bit of time for me to really interpret what that meant. So after really thinking on it, reflecting on it, I remember the next day, because throughout this time, I'd actually, you know, that MMA gym that's on the edge of town, I was driving past it almost every day. And I kept thinking back to, you know, George, always wanting to go there to train, always wanting to talk about how he was going to be a fighter because he had already started this and that. So after my dad tells me this, the next day I go to this gym and it was called Redneck Militia. Imagine that, (laughs) that name. But I walk into this gym and I ask the guy, what does your class schedule look like? Um, How often are classes? Kind of just your basic questions. He says, well, we actually have practice tonight. I can't remember the time, but he told me the time and it was still like an hour away. I said, well, I don't have any plans of competing. I just really want to train in self-defense. He was really gung-ho and he was like, yeah, yeah, like definitely come back. In about an hour, we'll have class. And he kind of gave me this look almost as if I'm telling you this, but I don't expect you to come back. Well, an hour later, I come back for class and I start training. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the hard work behind this. I've been an athlete my whole life, so blood, sweat, and tears were not something foreign to me. So I really enjoyed the aspect of learning how to punch properly, how to roll, um, all that stuff, and just working up a sweat. So I trained about two months. And I feel like I should probably back up because I feel like we have to really lay the foundation for even what this gym looked like. So this gym was in what used to be an old mechanic garage for dirt bikes. And there wasn't a whole lot of, I want to say, clean professional looking equipment. It was very much like this foam mat that was laid out on the cement floor and then covered with an old wrestling mat that looked like it could be folded up and put away into like a closet. So it was, it was pretty dirty. It was pretty grungy. It really had that old school garage feel to it. And at this time, when I'm going in for my first class ever, the MMA game for girls was almost non-existent. I mean, any of the girl fights I had seen were in these underground, like, movies that we used to get from Hollywood video. Like, this is that's how far back this was. And so there wasn't any other girls training there. I think there was one other girl that came into the gym. She was pretty inconsistent during this time. But I was really the only one showing up every single night for practice. So... Moving forward, trained for a couple of months, and in September, I remember because it was around the time during Roundup, my coach calls me and he says, Cola, like, we're here in Walla Walla, and this is about 45 minutes from Pendleton. He's like, we came over here for this show, we have our guys, they're all ready, they're all weighed in, and there was supposed to be a girl fight. And the girl that showed up to fight is here and ready, but her opponent backed out. So at this time, it was pretty common for girls to sign up for fights. They'd show up to the event and very quickly become overwhelmed and really intimidated by the scene. And they would walk out. It was very common. So he's telling me, this girl has a lot of experience, but she is a lot smaller than you. And with the training that we've been doing, I really feel like 
you can do this. And I had to remind him, I said, dude, my dad told me he really didn't want me competing. I don't really want to compete. This was only supposed to be for self-defense. I do not think that I'm ready to be going into a cage and fighting anyone. He says, listen, like, you don't have to worry. We're not going to be going to the ground at all. They agreed to only doing like a kickboxing match. It's going to be in the cage, but it's only using your hands. And we've been working with you really good. I really, really think you should do it. He was totally like trying his best to convince me. Now, when I get this phone call, I'm at home because I have my son. I'm taking care of him and just kind of doing things around the house. And my mom overhears me talking with him. I hang up with my coach. My mom comes in and she says, does he want you to fight? And I said, yeah, but I really don't want to. I, I already told you and dad I wouldn't be competing. I'm not going to do this. My mom said, your dad's not even home right now, Cola. Get your stuff, call him back, ask him what you need and just go over there and do it. She'd even said, if you don't try this at least one time, you're going to regret not trying it at all. Yeah, you're only supposed to be doing self-defense and you said you wouldn't compete, but you have to at least give it a shot. So my mom, out of all people, was the one that was able to convince me to go do this. So I drive the 45 minutes to Walla Walla. I weigh in. I get there. I'm looking and I see the girl that I'm supposed to fight. Now I'm going to tell you, she weighed in at 145 pounds. She was ripped like she had huge biceps, her shoulders were popping out, and she looked serious. She had the whole getup, she had the Muay Thai shorts, she's wearing a sports bra, and I was getting intimidated. I was like, oh my gosh, like what am I getting myself into? I'm walking into this fight and having to let the promoter know, hey, I am nowhere near her weight class. I'm actually about 210 pounds. I've only been training for two months. Um, what am I doing? I end up borrowing a pair of shorts from one of my guy teammates so I'm wearing these huge MMA shorts and just some tank top that I happen to have looking not ready whatsoever but we walk out there there's this huge crowd the lights are bright everybody's yelling and of course it's a girl fight so everybody's losing their freaking minds because girl fights are the best fights they close the cage behind us and you hear the bell go off and I instantly just go into this completely different zone. I, it's really hard to describe. You completely zone out all the noise and the lights and everything. And you're focused on this one person. She came up to me. And I swear to you, I have never been hit so many times in a millisecond. I swear. It felt like she hit me like 10 times. Like boom, 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 boom. So, so quick naturally this instinct kicked on and it was hit her back like what are you doing hit her back so I just start swinging and you start hearing even more of like a the crowd doesn't sound really you can't make up any of the the words anyone's using it's more just like a whoosh whoosh and it's getting louder and louder next thing you know we are done with our three rounds I don't even remember what happened in between those rounds I just know that three of them happened and the crowd is going nuts. I knew I had lost because I'm like, there's no way. She was so technical. She knew exactly what she was doing. She's so in shape. But the thing was, is after they raised her hand and she walks out of the cage, I had so many people cheering for me. There was people started war hooping. They realized that I was a Native American girl hopping in this cage. And it was this instant connection to the crowd and realizing, wow, this is nuts. Like, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It was the ultimate high. I, it took a long time for me to come down for that. 
And I came home and I told my mom, because my dad still hadn't made it back home yet, told my mom and she said, I'm proud of you for at least taking the chance and trying it out. I can't wait for your dad to get home so we could tell him. I remember telling my dad and he wasn't too thrilled and it wasn't like he was super hype about hearing what had happened. But I tell him the story of how it went and that was it. And about a week or two later, I started hearing from other people in our community talking about, yeah, your dad told us you got in your first fight. How was it? Like, he's, he seemed pretty excited. And this is kind of how some of those old school native guys are. Um, it's really hard for them to tell you to your face that they're super proud of you or that they really like something. But very much they will go around to everyone else and talk about you and hype you up and be excited for you. And that's very much what my dad has done my entire career with fighting. So... After another couple months of training, my coach gets me another like official fight and I train up for that one. Same thing. Loving the crowd. We end up going um, towards the Canadian border in Washington above Seattle. And of course, there were so many natives that showed up for that one. I'm like, wow, like we we seem to really like this sport. Maybe I'll, I'll just keep doing it. And I kept training with um, Redneck Militia and eventually reached this point where I felt like I had kind of outgrew the program or the system that he had there at that gym. So I went on to another place. And again, this gym was a gym that my ex-boyfriend, George, had seen himself going to to train. Now, the petty part of me as a 20-year-old was I'm going to go to this gym and I'm going to train to be able to defend myself against people like him. And if he ever hears about this, he's going to realize I went to the gym that he was talking about the whole time that he was here. And so that was the petty part in my mind was like, he's going to sit here and just be so like pissed off if he ever hears about this. Anyways, I really felt like I had outgrown that gym and decided to start kind of branching out looking for someplace else to train. I ended up finding this gym in Pendleton on Main Street called Solid Base Jiu-Jitsu. Now this gym was started by Jeremy Harrington and I started training with him about September of 2012. So almost just a little under two years after I had started MMA. And the thing about Solid Base Jiu-Jitsu was it was very much a jiu-jitsu gym and they wanted everyone training in a gi. I didn't know what a gi was, and I wasn't really too fond of the idea. And then once they showed me, I was very much opposed to doing that. I said, you know, I fight in MMA. I don't want to do the jujitsu thing. I don't want to wear a gi. I don't want to wear pajamas in a fight or anything like that. And it took a few months. It took a few months for Jeremy and his buddy at the time that was helping him coach, Johnny Picard, to get on, get me on board on putting a gi on. I keep training with Solid Base. I end up having a fight under their name and then going to a couple competitions and actually competing in full-on jiu-jitsu, no gi and gi. Um, I end up getting pregnant again and then I had my son Simon and I had to come back to training all over again and almost start like a whole clean slate. So, and that would be about July of 2013 and I very quickly hopped right back into fighting and competing. And I remember my first fight after that pregnancy, I had to try to cut down as much as I could to 205. And we had this fight over on the Oregon coast 
and the girl was super tall. I want to say she was like 6'3". She was big. But it was really cool because I was able to fight under solid base again and go through a training camp, start realizing, you know, I really want to... I really want to fight. And at this time I had started drinking again. I was working my way through that and navigating that. And I had eventually reached a point in that year with some other things that had occurred, which I think will be probably for a different episode. Um, but I had, I had finally made this decision on quitting drinking. So I had been sober for a few months and had actually received my blue belt promotion in 2014 by Professor Michael Chapman, and he owns Impact Jiu-Jitsu, which was our affiliate gym at the time. And I kept training and kept trying to find fights, and we ended up landing this gig with, uh, and it was very last minute with King of the Cage and I ended up fighting and this is November of 2015. And now this is the time when everybody starts catching on to who I am and my name and everything, because this fight was televised. And so now a lot of people have really caught on. Oh, Cole is a fighter. Like this is the chick that's this native chick from the res and she's fighting now. So this really had pushed my name out there quite a bit. I wanted to also keep with my jujitsu a little bit more. I kind of started backing off a little bit from the MMA and really wanted to focus on my ground game because everybody all of a sudden was hearing like, oh, Cole's got hands. Like she's, she's got strong hands. Like you don't want to stand with her. Just go to the ground with her. And I really wanted to start building on that. And we started making some, some changes in the game. And it was like, once more word got pushed out, we started having more opportunities open up and that's when I got the call to be able to make my pro debut in June of 2016. And this was a big moment in my career because I was cut going to cut down to 155. I walk around pretty regularly at like 185, maybe 180 on a good day. And cutting down to 155 seemed to be the only way we were going to get an opportunity in order for me to go pro. So I ended up making it to Colorado, weighing 179, working my butt off to even get to that, and having to cut the additional weight in almost 13 days, 12 or 13 days. It was a horrible weight cut. It was probably the worst and the dumbest way anyone could cut weight and unfortunately I ended up missing weight and had to pay my opponent some money and I went in there feeling just horrible like garbage like I didn't feel strong I didn't feel fast it it was just a really horrible performance and when I came back I had to really try to figure out like what am I doing with this what's gonna happen <laughs> and in true cola form I got pregnant again <laughs> and I ended up having my third son Samuel and during my pregnancy I was going through a lot of other things with my fitness journey becoming a fitness instructor and trying to figure out exactly what I was going to be doing like for my overall 
grown-up career and getting ready to go into law enforcement and really having to buckle down and start making these grown-up decisions. Here I am with three kids and I really need to start figuring out what's going to happen. So I come back to jujitsu and training. I kid you not, this is how serious I take grown-up jobs because I I'd had all these nice thoughts of what I was going to do with education and career-wise during my pregnancy. But I came back to the mat to compete, full-on compete. We're not talking about just training and maybe getting my feet back in the water. I full-blown cannonballed this shit right back onto the mat when Samuel was only two weeks old. Okay. After really <laughs> just like trying to reprioritize the game and what I was going to do with it, I did get a new MMA coach, Wade Sauer, who was a collegiate wrestler, is very much no bullshit let's get work done and I appreciate it so much because you know being a mother of three and having a husband in law enforcement I didn't have time for games I didn't have time for chit chat so it was nice being able to go into a gym and just work hard so we trained up quite a bit had a couple of fights and in April of 2019 I ended up receiving my purple belt in jiu-jitsu from my friend, coach, mentor, Professor Jeremy Harrington under Siri Jiu-Jitsu. And that's where we're at now. I'm still training and still competing, but with this pandemic, everything has been really, really weird for a lot of us. Um, A lot of shows that usually happen have been canceled because venues can't be open, can't hold a certain amount of people. So a lot of us are just sitting in limbo and training and working hard and I really hope for a lot more opportunities this year with things opening back up, hoping to be able to get out there and represent Indian country the best way that I can and the best possible way that I know, which is through MMA and jiu-jitsu. So that was a really quick version of the story, and I really hope you're able to get something from it. And the main points that I really want to bring up is forgiveness through life could be the key to unlocking your true potential. I very honestly and transparently feel that if I had continued holding on to the abuse that I had gone through when I was 19 years old, I would not be where I am today. And forgiving this man, and a little update on that was after I had made my TV debut with MMA, I actually ended up running into George. And he had actually gone through a couple of health and medical issues that had actually left him paralyzed. And he, at the time, was working on regaining feeling back in his legs and learning how to walk again. And for the lack of the very long conversation that was had during that time, he had basically said, you know, I really messed up. And it wasn't just towards you, it was towards many other people and other females and I really feel like I'm having to work on myself and moving forward from this ugly phase and I didn't get a complete I'm sorry but because of the type of person that George was and is I hadn't expected a, a complete full apology but the words that he was saying I had accepted as a verbal apology, but I did let him know, George, I forgave you a long time ago because I didn't expect an apology. And because of being able 
to clear my own heart of that ugly phase of my life, I am able to be where I am today. So forgiveness is a huge thing. Forgiveness can can open up a lot of different opportunities for you. Also, it doesn't matter what struggles or obstacles you're facing or have faced. What matters is how you're going to utilize that experience to better yourself or better your environment. I want to say that one more time. It doesn't matter what struggles or obstacles you are facing or have faced. What matters is how you're going to utilize that experience to better yourself or better your environment. This is coming from a very beat up alcoholic res girl that ended up turning pro in MMA. Another point I wanted to make sure to get out there was you got to take a chance on yourself. If it feels like something you should do, give it a shot. And my mom was right. Looking back on it now, if I had not taken that chance on myself, I would have totally regretted it. I'd be sitting here like, dang, what would it have been like? I wouldn't have experienced those bright lights. I wouldn't have experienced the the adrenaline rush, the push. I wouldn't have experienced the ultimate fight of actually throwing hands with someone else that's trained to throw hands at you. I would not have experienced any of that and been able to see what I'm fully capable of. And lastly, because in true fighter fashion, in training, in fights, on the mat, I can't tell you how many times I've been knocked down. I've gotten punched so hard to where I've had to fall over because I didn't know where I was and was so disoriented. I've been in matches where a girl shot in for a takedown and totally flopped me on my ass. I want you to remember that even though you get knocked down, always, always get back up. No matter how hard life knocks you down, always, always get back up and stay in that fight. Thank you so much for listening to my story. I hope you were able to get something from it. And of course, keep living life and doing everything you can to find the positive light, the silver lining to it all. Thank you for listening to the Enough is Enough podcast. If you would like more information on our host, guests, or podcast episodes, please visit us on Instagram at EIE541.